This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show, folks, here on Podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. Today's show will feature a conversation with Reverend Kevin McGee from the chapel on LSU's campus, and it is about an event taking place next week, January 26th, as this show is launching at 6.30 p.m. at the River Center in downtown Baton Rouge. That would be the, the Raisin Cane's River Center in downtown Baton Rouge, and it's a gathering of churches from across central Louisiana, specifically here in Baton Rouge, really only churches here in Baton Rouge, uh, who will be calling for unity and togetherness in the aftermath of last year's tumultuous summer. Kevin McGee is in studio with me, and we'll have a conversation in just a moment about what they hope to accomplish and where last year was, how this whole thing came to be, and what his expectations are for the future. Listen, if you listen to the show every week, and we appreciate it, we are 104 and going strong now. If you download the show on iTunes, we ask that you would leave us a review there or a rating. Let people know that you are listening to the show and that you encourage others to check us out. That would be greatly appreciated. So take the time to do that, and we thank you for it. We'll take a quick break and come back and talk with Reverend McGee about the event taking place in Baton Rouge on January 26th. We'll do that next. Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Clay Young here with Brian Lowe with Brian Lowe Financial. And you know, Brian, lots of people are nervous now because it's tax season and they're angry because maybe they didn't get their business taken care of in the last year. And that's why they shouldn't wait another minute. They should pick up the phone and call you now. Look, don't wait. Too many times people tell me after taking my class, boy, I should have done this three years ago, Mm -hmm. five years ago. If you're within 10 years before retirement, you're in the red zone. You need to be coming in now. Or if you're retired for the last three, five, seven years, and working with the old school retail broker, yeah. doing the same old thing, expecting yeah. a different outcome. Yeah. Now's the time to come in. Look, it's about business model. We're going to teach you about what a bank can do. We're going to teach you about what an insurance agent can do. We'll teach you about what a stockbroker can do and what an independent financial advisor can do. The truth is you want someone with a Series 65, a Series 7, and all these other licenses to go with it. We have those licenses. Too many people are operating out there with one hand tied behind their back. You need someone with all the licenses. Give me a call. We'll go over the broker's information and find out what to do with you next. BrianLowFinancial.com. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. So next week here in Baton Rouge, there will be an event downtown at the Raising Canes River Center. And it is about what happened in summer of 2016. Most of you who are here just can go back emotionally to that time by just hearing it. Starting on July 4th, after the Alton Sterling shooting and then the police shooting that followed days later... 2016 was just a very stressful year for Baton Rouge. Well, 
Next week, there is an event downtown that is targeted at bringing people in the community together and giving them an opportunity to worship together and to gain some understanding. Dr. Tony Evans is going to be in town next week. And Kevin McGee, a local minister here at the chapel on campus, is here to talk with us a little bit about that. First and foremost, how did all, all of this begin? Well, Clay, first, let me say thanks for having us. It's you got really it. It's really a joy to be here. Um, it started um, started years ago as a number of us talked, and then I had the opportunity to invite Tony uh, to come to Baton Rouge, and he agreed. And then uh, those of us who had been talking uh, started talking more about uh, the details of the event, and that would be Renee, who lives across the street from me. That's we right, had, uh, Pastor Renee Brown. Uh, we had been... Uh, praying on Sunday mornings before each of our services, and so we had struck up a wonderful relationship. So mm-hmm. out of relationship and out of just some sort of, uh, sovereign bringing together of issues and ideas. You know, when you look back on the summer of last year, what's first thing, first word that pops into your head? Tragedy. Yeah, tragedy yeah, in, in every way. Um, I think... Alton Sterling shooting. When was that? July fourth. Was it July? Yeah. Um, I think I was uh, out of state on July, but I had been out of country prior to that, and um, and then came back, and that happened, and then the the police police officers were shot. And July seventeenth. Yeah, just tragedy, just um, un, unbelievable, really. What causes an environment to be so toxic? that actions like that occur which which that are you talking about after the shooting of alton sterling uh, baton rouge had not before then had a history of that kind of tension and then the direct outshoot of that the anger and the protest were quite frankly relatively calm compared to other cities that had, had incidents like this and most of the trouble that was brought upon Baton Rouge was not even by people from here it was by people who were not from here but after the shooting of Alton Sterling after the the shooting of the police officers everything that followed seemed to just be division the inability to even get in a room and talk mm-hmm. yeah. where does that come from wow that's a that's a large question uh, Clay, your, your son says you're going to make me look good. That, one, <laughs> that one's really large. Um, as a pastor and a minister of the gospel, I think, um, you know, there's fear and hatred that, that lives and resides in the heart of every mm-hmm. person. And when it is famed in, you know, like a flame, uh, I think that um, a lot of it stems from that, um, just anger and hatred. I don't know uh, well enough um, the struggles um, within the black community as a white man. I don't know them, but I do know that there's anger and tension often there. I was very proud of Baton Rouge, actually. As was I. Um, and, and trying to have peaceful marches and express frustrations appropriately. Uh, so I was really excited about how Baton Rouge um, was trying to handle the tension, the fear, um, maybe the resident hate and get along Um, And then you had folks from the outside come in and and really complicate it. When you hear, if I get you to get, pull that mic a little bit closer to you there. When you hear, because I attended a a lot of meetings I was invited to after the police officers were shot. 
And I kept hearing y'all, you, us, Hmm. we, them. And I rarely heard people talking from the position of this is our town, let's work together. It was just, and and I'm not casting aspersions one way or the other. I'm making an an observation on the dialogue. And I did not often, no, you know what? Uh, Let me be, let me be brutally honest. I didn't hear much in those conversations that was about building bridges. Hmm. I, I did hear a lot of reflection about things that people perceived to be wrong, but rarely did I hear discussions about how we can fix what may or may not be wrong. Is, is that fair? Well, I, I mean, it's what you heard. That's so what I heard. Yeah, yeah. So, so when I, but have, let me ask you more clearly, is that a perspective that you gained observing conversations? Hmm. Probably not. Okay. Um, just in the regard that we were probably in different conversations. Okay. Uh, a lot of our conversations that I've had with friends and, in, in within the church is about how to build bridges. Sure. And um, I don't doubt that um, there is a. I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a um, a suspicion to to bridge build, um, bridge building okay. and its effectiveness, and so when there is a lot of tension and it's still unresolved, mm-hmm. um, the uh, it, that that the idea that. Um, and there would be a oh an if an effective conversation i can imagine that maybe people just didn't feel like there would be it, it i think it because i was in a few meetings with ministers there was one that congressman garrett graves and cedric richmond put together uh, there was one with the attorney general when she was in town speaking at the or for the memorial in honoring the police officers the day after that she had a meeting downtown with a few people a couple of meetings i was in one of them and i attended something at the state police headquarters and again there was a lot of discussion about what was wrong and we never got around to talking about what we do about it and i think that there was interest in having that conversation i'm not saying people weren't interested i just don't know that it ever materialized and I, I guess that's kind of what I'm what I'm getting at is how do we get to that point? Or is this the event you're doing on the 26th, uh, the beginning of that? Or is it a continuation of what's been going on that maybe I'm, a, I'm unaware of? That's a great question. Again, I don't know how to address what you experienced. Uh, if I had to you know, guess, I would say maybe it was too close to the time. Sure. Or, you know, if it involved... Uh, politicians and or police officers it's it's a step removed from the citizenry and so maybe it's just tense okay um believers for baton rouge the gathering on the 26th in a hopefully is a continuation of what's happened and as we've gotten together and as we've talked to people they're telling us um that they're have they're trying to have these conversations uh, a white church a black church Mm -hmm. um some successfully and are excited that other people are having it. So in a way, yes, it's a continuation. Hopefully in another way, it's a start of something larger and bigger. Uh, so we're trying to get to that conversation, and they're hard to have. What is your objective? Well, we've tried to put it in a tagline. Sure. <laughs> a one city, one church, one hope. And so, you know, as a Christian, I come at it. I, I don't know that I can speak 
um, with really any authority. Uh, I can have an opinion about politics, and I'm, and it might even be educated. But sure. within the church, I'm trying to speak to um, fellow believers and those that are seeking and say mm-hmm. what the what I believe the gospel says about all of humanity, all of humanity, not part of humanity, that it's redeemable and reconcilable. And uh, so um, that would be you know the first step. We want to go way past an initial meeting, but those are it's kind of a catalyst event but it would create unity and begin to have conversation at least among people that um, should be able to have it, those within the church. It is interesting because I think it is courageous to bring people together and to try to get people to have this dialogue. But And, and I heard that a lot in the meetings, that we need to have the dialogue. We need to talk about what's going on here. What, what do you hope the dialogue will produce? Um, I think that uh, you can talk, then you can act together, serve together, and then you can um, be together. You know, those are, I don't know that those are sequential. Mm-hmm. Conversation usually can lay the groundwork for, can I trust you right. with how I'm feeling or what I'm fearful of? And if that is trustworthy, then um, maybe I can be with you. Uh, work together to solve a problem or enjoy each other over a meal. Mm-hmm. But I think that when you work together or you socialize together, uh, you, be, you break down a lot of walls. I mean, one, one goal that um, uh, a group called, a, a ministry called Abounding Love and First Presbyterian was trying to do is uh, have members of each congregation have meals together and, and break down, just, just come in my home and us and their home and just kind of break that break that barrier down. So ultimately, conversations will lead to actions and reconciliation and community. Why do these barriers exist? From, I guess, from my perspective, since you're talking to me, well, I think they're historical, obviously. And um, I think they're racial. I mean, you know, the, and they're hard to, you know, once you once you build walls, you got, if you're trying to take them down, it, it's not without... Uh, considerable effort. So, I have understood the presence of racism having existed in society, and it's been documented some of the instances of racial injustice and discrimination. I don't understand as a paradigm racism. I don't, I can't compute hating someone because they look differently than me. I know that may sound simplistic in, in the way that I say it, but it's the truth. I have, <laughs> I have far greater reasons to not like people <laughs> other than the color of their skin. And I try to teach my children the same thing, that it really doesn't matter when it comes down to it. It's really about the way we treat one another, not what we look like. But racism is an albatross to this nation And I don't know that it has to be. I think we are more alike than we are different. Most people care about the same things. They care about taking care of their family. They care about earning a living. They care about the future. And I don't believe most people are interested in just hurting one another. But here we are. An issue like this pops up and we've got to do this. Just your interpretation of of where we are in history dealing with people of different ethnicities trying to come together, if that makes sense. 
Well, yeah, again, it's huge. I mean, you're asking uh, a real big, huge question. Um, I think that, uh, you know, as a minister of the gospel, that the, that the, the heart of humanity, mine, yours, is, has got a major flaw that needs a, a fix and a savior. And I think intrinsic in that flaw is uh, self-preservation. Yeah. And um, if I can draw a distinction uh, between me and someone else, um, it may be about race. It may be about something else. Mm-hmm. It could be gender. It mm-hmm. could be uh, nationalism, even a, a fake border, um, a particular uh, variation of denomination. If I could, if I draw that distinction and I use it in a self-preserving way, um, then uh, I'm creating di- divisions and building walls. I'm going to not serve you. I'm going to put myself above you. So I see that the root of uh, of racism is is um, it's an application of just uh, not brotherly love. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On, on an obvious um, distinction. Right. Your skin color is different than mine. Sure. And if I can, if I can uh, objectify that somehow in a negative way, um, then I can. It's the same thing you see happen anytime you objectify people. It, it distances yourself from their right. humanity. Right. So I don't know what feeds it still. And that's that's also hmm. a, a confounding thing. What still feeds it? Well, I would say we're still broken, right? <laughs> that's, hmm. I know I know my my answer is a, you know a gospel answer, sure. but that you're still broken and the solution is not one that is then found and you move past it. I think you have to you know in the Bible it talks about the Christian community having to continually strive for unity because it's so uh, evasive. Yeah. And so you have to work at it all the time. And prejudices or jealousies are um, somehow to um, distance myself from another in a self-preserving way or a controlling way, um, it always creeps in. And so I just think it, you know, lingers. And then in America, of course, we have this deep scar of of slavery uh, that has, you know, has affected our country. And it doesn't just unravel overnight. But how do you overcome it? it look, I, this this is probably going to bother a bunch of people the way that I that I say this, uh, which is nothing new for people who know my history. But I do believe you have to face what isn't working. But to do that, we have to agree to move forward together. And I'm not saying you you ignore what the past has brought. You can't. But it just seems like every time you get people in a room who show up for the benefit of fixing it, you can never get to what do we do about it now because there is so much time talking about what happened. And, and, and again, I don't mean this to be demeaning to any to either way. I'm, I'm certainly not saying you, you like there are people say get over it. No, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, here you are, you, Pastor Brown, he's black, you're white, you're trying to work together on doing this. This is what you're talking about. This is what it takes, right? So what's the most effective way to go forward with that formula and not get mired into 150 years ago? Hmm. Well, again, you keep asking these small, simple questions. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at your hand, and I'm guessing that's a wedding ring. It is. And so... At our last lunch, there were about 80 pastors there, and um, 
it was important to Renee and I because uh, we were kind of emceeing it, and it was just kind of we've had a few to kind of get the word out, and we asked uh, uh, the group that was there their concerns, and one concern that was expressed, um, the way I understood the the uh, concern was at its base, um, a can I trust you? Mm. Can I trust you yeah. to begin to even move forward? Yeah. And um, it was posed um, by a woman, and she mentioned her husband next to her and how they talk. And so for those in your audience that are married, you know that uh, maybe it's a particular way men try to come at problems. Let's, let's fix it. But there's, some, there's a pace that you, it may be efficient. That was the word you used. How can we efficiently do it? I don't know that efficiency works here. I think thorough is, and it, it probably takes um, more time than we want to give it. And you have to then stay current, much sure. like a relationship. Sure. If you get off, it's going to take a while to get back on track. And right. then if you don't work it and have regular contact, um, you know, and conversation, it happens with my wife and I, we've been married over 30 years, but if we go too long without kind of touching base and making sure the kids are all okay, yeah. then you, you got it takes a long time. Right. And so I think, you know, the severity of the hurt or how it affects um, other people, not all people are affected the same. Some mm -hmm. people are like, let's move on. Mm -hmm. And some people are really hurt. And I think that there is, um, there's probably a point in any conversation where, Everyone has to conclude, all right, it's now time to move forward. Yeah. The problem with that, of course, there's an outlier. They'll control the conversation. Sure. And so if there's one person saying, no, you haven't felt my pain deeply enough, um, and that happens. Sure. But I, I don't know how to get around it. What does that mean? And uh, not rhetorically speaking, what, what does that mean to feel one's pain? And, and not just in the context of this, I guess in any context, if you're in a discussion and someone says that, I don't think you feel my pain. You don't you don't know my hurt. Define what, quote unquote, that hurt is. And then how do you reach it? Well, I I don't want to evade your question, uh, but that hurt could be a lot of things. Sure. And uh, I think the word is is empathy mm -hmm. and to the extent that I can empathize. Um, if if your pain is related to say you're a war veteran and, and I'm not, and you have this horrible experience that has affected you post-war, yeah. I can empathize and I can, I can agree with you that I can see that it hurts. I can acknowledge the pain. I can uh, try to understand how it is affecting you or mm -hmm. what you're dealing with. Most people, uh, though, I think want to know that you're trying. Yeah. If you can't make that con connection with your wife, mm -hmm. it might do. And many husbands, <laughs> including myself, you know, I don't get it. Uh, she's not that interested in me getting it as much as she interested in me trying. Being available. Yeah, being available. Yeah. Being sympathetic. Being empathetic. Uh, not being defensive. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes it's easier to explain how to get there by saying, don't do this. Yeah. Don't give quick answers. Yeah. Don't give simple answers. Uh, don't give answers that you don't know about. You know, yeah, I know what you're going through. No, not really. You don't. So, and we all do that because we want people to feel better, but it usually doesn't work. With this event, let's talk about this event that's taking place at the River Center. It's on January 26th as you listen to this podcast. Uh, the event starts at 6.30, lasts until 8.30. 
uh, Dr. Tony Evans, the founder and senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, is going to be there. What's, what is this event? Uh, Believers for Baton Rouge, one city, one church, one hope. What is this? It is a gathering of the church, Big C, mm-hmm. uh, in Baton Rouge. That's what it is. It's a gathering with a hope of moving into unity. Uh, it's obviously, uh, we've focused obviously on the black and white church. There's sure. a lot of others. Sure. It's got a predominant pr- a Protestant feel, mm-hmm. uh, but we've invited um, the, ca- the Catholic community. Really hope that they can come. And um, it's a chance to be together. Yeah. Um, it's, it doesn't put you on the same page, but it, it puts you in the same room. Right. And it doesn't um, get you to the same spot, but it gives you a platform to move forward. And we have a team working on follow-up. So if you go to the website and read, it's not very complicated, but there's a follow-up team that's working to try to carry the conversation past the event. Right. So that people can get together. And they're, and the ideas are still germinating. They're still uh, growing and, and becoming clear. But ways to have conversation where you can express fears, concerns, maybe even your, your knowing, uh, maybe even your own prejudices. Just put them on the table so that, as you mentioned a minute ago, um, most people are really alike. They're trying to raise their kids if they have them. They're trying sure. to do an honest day's work. They're trying to you know, make a living, educate their children, um, have a secure home environment. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true of most people. And for whatever reason, uh, if you have an idea about a section of town or a section of the world and you think it's somehow radically different until you enter into it, you don't you don't realize it's, right. it's really the same. It's that's exactly right. Most people who live in inner city communities are not criminals. Right. But crime is always t- always highest where people have the least. Mm. Uh, and that's 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 a, a people commentary, not a racial commentary. Right. Pick a community across the country, whether it is Hispanic, black, uh, white, whatever, where people have the least, you find the most crime. This whole thing is fascinating to me. And I think what you are doing here and what you hope to accomplish is what is needed, actually jumping in and trying to do something about what's wrong. And I want to know for people who are sitting on the sidelines and who have skepticism, not about you and your intentions, but about the possible outcome, what would you say to them? Yeah, that's great. That's a great uh, question. Um, I would ask them to come and, and see. Uh, it's, it, it's one thing to be a, a skeptic um, uh, from the outside. It's yeah. another thing to kind of step in. Sure. And so I would say, you know, step on in. Um, I would be suspicious if I didn't think that we were trying to draw on something supernatural. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I think that uh, people tend to, you know, they can tend to fight and, and, and grab and... Uh, not everybody. I'm just. Not, I'm not saying people are just awful, but sure. um, I am saying that our hope transcends our own ability. I mean, I don't. I don't. Uh, the changes that have gone on in my heart, I attribute to Christ. So yeah. I wanted to make sure that, you know, that said, that doesn't mean that there's not other things that can be done. But for me, I want to start at the heart and address the the heart issue, and um, hopefully that will. Uh, well, it will. Affect other things. Uh, there are lots of things that, little things and big things that can be done in, in the ways we think and act and legislate and do commerce and business. But at the heart, that's what that's what I hope to address. Where, among the middle class, where people 
in my opinion, are most likely to run into one another. Where people are shopping and conducting their business in similar places, they're more likely to meet and talk and get along. On the extremes, where people are poor, and on the other side, where people are affluent or on the upper end of middle class, and they are less likely to intersect. It's one of the places where you have the least amount of understanding, where in this town, there are people who don't know where Scotlandville is, or, or don't, they hear about 70805, but don't really know what part of Baton Rouge that is, or people who don't know where Bocage is, even though 70805 and Bocage are actually not that far away, or St. George, Village St. George has existed you know, forever, but it became a thing a few years ago. So on those ends where people don't see one another, there is even there is even a larger amount of distrust. And I guess I'm asking, how do you bring all of the facets of Baton Rouge to the table? And we're talking specifically about the willing people who would be willing. How do you bring them to the table? Is that a fair question? Well, I, I think it's a fair question. I mean, I, I don't I mean, Yeah. Who am I to say? Right. Um, I think, you know, I think you watch Baton Rouge come together around uh, some things naturally in music and sports. Yeah. 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 And it's, a, you know, it's like, hmm, uh, you know, the thing that bothers me is that uh, it should be church. Yeah. But that's been a long time segregated uh, hour. Um, no but, doubt. But music and sports. Uh, and even that we have, you know, two universities, historical black university. And, and so even there you have this history of mm-hmm. you know segregation um you know economics and race all, all you know you, i might t- try to take one or the other maybe not both uh, well economically people can spend money where they want to spend money and someone's ability see there are people here who say in the inner city there is an absence of opportunity that would give people the resources to live where they want to live um i don't agree with that I actually believe that we have to do more with our school system where our children are prepared mm-hmm. and have the option to good schools give kids the option to have good lives, whether they choose to go to college or uh, earn a trade that can make them a living and, and build their future. That's ground zero for me after the family. And those are the kinds of discussions that I think are most important. I will be honest with you. I don't know that any person has the capacity to get me to like someone I don't want to like. But I try to live my life not disliking people. If I have a problem, it's about a specific thing, and I try to deal with them head on. But I think for me. And so I think something like what you're doing is amazing because you just want people to have an opportunity to meet one another and realize we care about the same things. And so I think more of these would be helpful, getting people to talk. If you were leading a discussion, if you could get every person in Baton Rouge in a room, and you're going to get a lot of them in a room next week, (laughs) What was what would be the key thing you would want them to leave with? Well, <laughs> I laugh because you you know who you're talking to. Yeah. Well, <laughs> outside of the obvious, yeah, outside of the, outside of <laughs> which the, is an important obvious. Well, I just yeah. You know, for me, uh, Clay, it's it's a it's what changes the heart, and yeah. so you know I'd want them to know that Jesus loves them and and wants them to be in a, his forever family. Um, next to that. Um, uh, I would want them to have, um, and I think I, I think it exists at times, you know, 
um, community uh, hope yeah. for, for Baton Rouge, yeah. you know, and it's got so many different pieces and that's okay. A city can have different neighborhoods. Um, it's my struggle is when, uh, when part of the, you know, when one part of the town has to go to the other just to shop or go to another part of town to go to school, as yeah. what you mentioned. Yeah. And so the more equality that it had and the more hope that it has, you know, I think if you listen to economic developers over the years talk about Baton Rouge, and I've lived my whole life here, sure. you know, there's a lot of comparison to um, other cities that have in many ways long since left Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not sure of all the reasons, but I would hope that, you know, there'd be a way to get folks in the same room and then let's go after this together, uh, a better community together. Because I think some have resources and means to make uh, our city better and others don't. Mm-hmm. And those that don't have the resources or the means aren't included in the conversation. Which is unfortunate. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think you're right. This is, the, this is the beginning of one dialogue, maybe the continuation of another. And you've got uh, two, uh, so there's a choir that's got 200 vocalists from around the city. My goodness. Uh, and they're going to be performing there. In addition to Dr. Evans, I'm assuming you and Pastor Brown are going to be speakers as well? No, no. We will share a word, but okay. no, no, we're not speaking. Just uh, just uh, Dr. Evans. Well, one of the things we tried to do, uh, Clay, is whenever, whenever you get, you know, we hope to fill uh, the arena, which is mm-hmm. like 6,400 people. Right. And that's a lot of people. And like you said, if you had one thing you'd want to say to them, what would it be? Any pastor... Uh, our church leader, you know, they're going to want a piece of that. Right. And Renee and I came in and go, it's not about our churches. We're not trying to use this momentum for self-promotion or mm-hmm. church promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, you know, the flocks that we shepherd, you know, Mount Zion First Baptist or the chapel. Mm-hmm. And so we've really tried to keep that out front um, and, and not be about that. The choir is a mixing of voices and churches and leaders and it'll be a real challenge, I, I don't doubt, you know, just because of the time frame, for one thing. And, yeah. And then, you know, um, working together. And so we will, because we have been the face out front on a lot of the, uh, the meetings and stuff, we will say something, but it won't be a part of, you know, it won't be substantive because it's just not about us. And uh, you, you may ask, well, why Tony Evans? Not everybody yeah. knows him. Yeah. Um, um, that, that's a bit of the backstory. I, uh, I had met, uh, Pastor Billsbury, who was then, uh, president of the fourth district of the National Baptist Association, mm-hmm. which Renee is now president of. Yeah. And I had gone to that meeting with another friend, Donald Hunter, and yeah. just praying about how to, you know, what, what might bridge the gap? Who could help us bridge the gap? Is there a pastor? Is there a voice? And uh, through my training and through my family, I'd known Dr. Evans, and then Dr. Billsbury brought him up. And so that led, that led me down that path to uh, look for opportunities, and God put a few together so I could invite him. And he said he'd come. For those who are listening who are not church-attending people, they have no real affiliation with the church, what do you say to them? Please come. <laughs> uh, please come. Yeah, Every, everybody. Everybody is welcome. Um, um, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't um, write off the platform. Uh, you go. That's not my platform. Uh, I guess everybody that's trying to do something would say the same thing. Yeah. Everybody's welcome. Uh, this was a platform that I felt like um, 
I knew and could uh, speak into. Yeah. And so that's how that's how that came about. But um, anybody's welcome. And if this is a, a heart, a part of your heartbeat and part of what you want for the city, come. Well, Baton Rouge has, I think, uh, some hard work to do. I think we can do it. I do believe there has been an overplaying of how difficult this is. I think that it's doable to get people to have the dialogue. I, I don't subscribe to the, it's so dire, we're never going to fix it, or I just, I, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm more of an optimist at heart, but yeah. I think, you know, yeah, the work is hard, and I think in some cases it's not as bad as people say it is, and in other cases it is as bad, but I do think there are people who are interested in doing something about it. And if you miss the obvious, the obvious is you and Renee are doing something about it. So you can't say it never happens. White people and black people don't talk. Absolutely they do. All over the city. Yeah. We should spend a little more time paying attention to that. And maybe that would spur more involvement. Well, I think that, yeah, I would totally agree. I I don't know that we've made it more complicated than it needs to be, but getting people together to have hard conversations is difficult. But people are willing. There are people who are bold and willing who will show up and say, let's talk about it. I am not yet convinced that dialogue alone is an answer. Oh, no. Yeah. I think think there's some people who look at it as that's what we need. That's got to be the thing. uh, If you just talk, you know, as my wife, uh, she's going to love me for saying this. (laughs) She says to me, I don't know that you understand enough. I mean, you're saying the right things, but right. (laughs) Right. Where are the actions? Right. Where are the actions? They do speak louder. Uh huh. And so. But I think that the dialogue can lay a little bit of the groundwork for trust, and then trust can lead to uh, shared experiences. And then shared experiences, what I think what it shows is a great power. Mm-hmm. Um, in, the, in the gospel, the, the unity shows the power of the gospel. Yeah. Um, in a community, unity will yield power. Uh, Baton Rouge will be a lot, um, just on an economic level, Baton Rouge will be a lot better place to be and live and work when we're all part of the solution, as a part, uh, you know, as a, as a maybe as a, a part, some part of it is a solution, right? Or, or only a part of it is creating solutions. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, the event again is on January 26th. That's at the River Center. The doors open at six. The event starts promptly at 6:30 and ends at 8:30. Dr. Tony Evans is going to be there. It's Believers for Baton Rouge, one city, one church, one hope. And if you've been talking about us needing to come together, well, you have your chance on January 26th. Kevin, I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you, Clay. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Rodriguez, And I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. iTunes and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. 
This is the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. Here's hoping the event on the 26th goes very, very well for Reverend McGee. All right, folks, we appreciate you guys listening as you do every week. Tell a friend about the Clay Young Show here on Podcast225.com. And once again, that event that's taking place at the River Center is on January 26th, 6.30 p.m. The doors open at 6 o'clock. They're going to have a big choir there, and uh, Dr. Tony Evans is going to be there. And speaking, Dr. Evans pastors a big church in Dallas, and he has been a chaplain to a couple of professional sports teams and uh, he's someone who wants to draw folks together and I'm trying to be optimistic about what that future will look like and we'll all see all right until next week thanks for listening to the Clay Young Show here on podcast 225.com have a great one thanks for listening join us next week for another edition of the Clay Young Show